Welcome to Make More Money Without Selling Your Soul with me, Polly Lavarello, Evergreen Marketing Expert. This podcast is for you if you are an online entrepreneur who's looking to simplify their business to scale. On this podcast, you can expect to hear regular talk about wealth, about selling, and about well-being. Because I believe these three core fundamental things are pivotal to your growth moving forward. Hello and welcome to Make More Money Without Selling Your Soul. I am Polly Lavarello, evergreen marketing expert and cushy business pioneer. And today I'm talking about the three tools you need to be a CEO. Now, CEO is a bit of a buzzword that you may see thrown around. I mean, I say a buzzword, it's not really a buzzword, but it can certainly feel like it's a buzzword. You know, reach a certain stage in your business and you'll suddenly feel like every online business mentor around you is referencing what it is to be a CEO which is a bit of a funny concept, really, because a lot of us perhaps attach being a CEO with some kind of corporate role. And that's probably what you were trying to get away from when you were starting your online business. So some people feel really excited around the idea of being a CEO. They're like, yeah, taking myself seriously, serious business owner, while other people can feel enormously repelled. But what it really boils down to is treating your business like you are the owner of your business, rather than just being the doer, you know, being somebody essentially with a glorified job. It's enabling you to have a business that allows you to be poorly, that allows you to take time off without thinking, oh, that's going to incur a pay cut. Um, You know, it's actually systemizing your business and building a small but mighty team. I mean, in some cases, people go for big teams, but in my case, I'm definitely on the side of small but powerful rather than uh, big. At least that's where I'm at in my journey right now. And I, I, I think it'll remain that way, but you never entirely know, do you? Never say never. <laughs> One of the things I'd like to say. But you know, you, you do want to, you, you need to be able to do that. Like in the early stages of starting a business, it's really true that, you know, you're still figuring out who your ideal client is. You're probably still refining your offer. You're probably still getting clear on what you stand for as a brand. I mean, it's very hard in those early stages of starting a business when someone says, what are your values? It's like, excuse me. You know, I think a lot of the time it's through the lived experience of running our business where you're like, oh, we'd never do that. I wouldn't say that, that you start to recognize, okay, so what do I say and what do I stand for? And all of these things, you know, lead you to a stage where you'll suddenly start to feel like, ah, okay, I feel like I have a solid brand. I feel like I have an offer that people want and I'm seeing evidence of that. People are buying it. You know, I'm really clear on who it is I love to help, who it is I get the best results for. And that's all wonderful. But I'd also guess around that stage where you're confident about all of those things and you're starting to trust your ability to make money and that the money is coming in and that you're feeling good, that you're also probably feeling pretty tired. Perhaps you're telling yourself stories like, ah, nobody else can do this the way I do it. I'm not outsourcing because I don't trust anyone can be as good at writing my social posts or, you know, I don't know, helping me manage my diary or any of those things. There's a lot of things at that stage where people will tell themselves, but I can do this. So why wouldn't I do this? Or I'm great at this. So how can anyone else be better at this? And it can really hold people back. And so that's why this is such an important conversation. This is why this podcast episode is such a must listen. Because whether you want to call it CEO or business owner, whatever you want to call it, like, you know, give it your own term. But ultimately, 
it is treating your business like you're working on your business, not just in your business. So that, you know, in some cases, you could even end up with a business you could sell at some point. I mean, that's the ideal scenario. It'd be really nice uh, after all these years that you're working on something to have something that you could actually, you know, sell. But but even if you're not thinking about that right now, and I'll be honest, where I'm at right now in my business, that's not my main focus. But as a mum of two small children, do I care about having time off and actually being able to be present with my children and not worrying that if I miss something in my inbox that my whole business is going to go kaboom? 100%. (laughs) Um, You know, and as someone who is ADHD, uh, well, undiagnosed ADHD and probably autistic, I, you know, I can really hyper-focus. I can really get into the weeds with my business. I can become a bit obsessed with my business. And so I have to be incredibly intentional about putting boundaries in place to ensure that I don't go that way because I know that while it can feel good in the moment, it always inevitably results in burnout, in IBS, in migraines, in feeling sick, in missing important dates, in the moment that I finally switch off getting really poorly because my my body and brain has just been on hyperdrive for months. You know, I'm, I'm not available for that anymore. That was my old story. So you're probably wondering, okay, this all sounds really good, but what on earth does it require? What do I need to be to be the business owner? Maybe some of you are thinking, I already thought I was being a business owner, am I not? Well, let me share some little handy tips. And what I'm going to say here, while I refer to the three tools you need to be a CEO, I'm not talking, by the way, about Asana or Trello or ClickUp or any of that stuff. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm not talking about whether you should have Asana or ClickUp or Trello because none of that stuff really matters. Like people will tell you what's worked best for them, but it's so dependent as to whether you're a visual learner or whether you're, you know, I mean, like people all like use different tools differently and there are different tools which will support you with each of these things. So I will share with you the three fundamentals that you need to be thinking about to be able to be the business owner, the CEO, and not be in the weeds all the time. Because also another side effect, aside from burnout, is it's really hard to scale if you're in the weeds all the time. If you are deep in the process, if every time you launch something, you come out the other end exhausted, that is not scalable. You know, like this past month, I've spent the month really heavily organically promoting my three-month container, Elevate for Evergreen. And it went really, really well. But am I gonna, I'm, I will tell you something for nothing. I am tired. But the reason why we did it was we wanted to validate the funnel before we start running ads to it. So I did it knowing this is not forever. And this is something I encourage my clients to do when they're testing a new funnel. We test it organically first. And yes, there is that push before the cush, but it's totally worth it because, you know, it's setting up something that is scalable on the other side. But you do need to think about what is on the other side. And the problem I see in the online business space is a lot of people don't think about phase two. And they just stay in phase one, burning themselves out, you know, working themselves to the ground, launching, 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 exhausting themselves, which, you know, where we are right now in October 2023, the very end is particularly exhausting with everything going on in the world right now. Like it's it's a lot to be selling right now as a human being selling right now with all the big things going on in the world. It feels heavy. Okay, so let's get to how you can be a business owner and to support you to support you, to support your clients better. So, you know, we're not just talking about making more money. This will also help you deliver your clients better, more predictable results. Okay, so firstly, the first thing I'd ever say to someone who's thinking about how do I step into being more of a business owner, it is about hiring. 
which you're probably aware of. Maybe you're listening to this going, yeah, I've got a VA. Woohoo! I have ticked that box. Good. I'm very happy if you have. Because essentially, the most valuable thing you have when you're starting out in business is time. And the second thing I'm going to refer to, which is going to help you with your time, your team will also help you implement, which allows you to implement a million times faster, which is systems and processes. So what I'm saying here is if you get the systems and processes before you have a team, what you can find yourself doing is spending more hours on systems and less hours on selling, and that will impact your bottom line. And this is something I see happening so regularly to people. Plus, there's a kind of element of having systems and processes is not redundant if you don't have a team, but it's it's kind of makes it less I mean, it's, it's not true to say it's redundant. It's not redundant at all because it will help you do things more efficiently. Things like Dubsado are an absolute dream. So there are systems you can have in place as you know a company of one, if that is your shtick. But ultimately, one of the easiest ways to hire without any concern is to be really clear on what the value of your time is. When you know that you can be generating 200 pounds an hour and you're paying an assistant 20 pounds an hour to help you do some of your non 200 pound an hour tasks, it's a total no-brainer. But it's really hard to feel confident about that if you aren't aware as to where your time is going in your day-to-day business. If you're not aware of what are the most valuable tasks you're performing in your business. So these are the kind of things I support my clients to get clear on so that they don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, And so that they can be clear on that so that when they do hire it, it doesn't feel like this stomach churning, oh my gosh, this better work out. And instead one where you can feel really confident. I mean, of course, there are some things that are slightly unknown. Um, like, you know, how efficient your team member will be and how well you will gel together and how experienced they'll be. But even things like that, you can kind of have a bit of an insurance policy around by having a really, really clear job description, you know. And for me, in my case, I've always hired more experienced assistants who have got experience in the platforms that I want them to support me with because I don't have time to be teaching them things because, you know, in those early stages as a new business owner, my time is so valuable. And if I'm having to spend it teaching new systems and processes, it would it would never work. So it either need to be someone who's ready and willing to learn those systems and processes or somebody who's already come to me already knowing them. Uh, and my first assistant was amazing in that case because she knew so much already. In fact, probably more than I did, which was amazing. If you can hire someone who knows more than you, all the better. Okay. So that's step one. Make sure you have a team, even if it's small, even if you're just starting with a VA. And, um, you know, another thing that I should throw in as a little final tidbit, you know, in terms of how to hire is, you know, don't just hire somebody because someone else goes, oh, I've got a, a social media manager. Oh, I better get one of those too. No, I actually think where you can keep a handle on your own, your own social media, generally speaking, the better. Um, I have someone who edits my reels for me because that's something I can really kind of get stuck on. Um, but I do the rest of my own social media because I've had a graphic designer create a bunch of templates for me, which means graphics take seconds. I also have a whole bunch of professional photos, which means I just chuck a professional photo in one of my professionally created templates. And voila, just add some words and I have a post. So I prefer to manage my own social content because ultimately people are connecting to me, not somebody else. But in other cases where I've worked with clients who are perhaps dyslexic or not very good with, you know, they find it hard to communicate with words in a way that feels effective, then hiring a social media manager is wonderful. So again, you know, when you're looking at your business, look at your business, look at your business needs. They will not be the same as everyone else in your mastermind or in your group container or your friend down the road. They will be unique to you. 
And you will also know which parts of your business are resulting in the most sales and which to double down on. So if you know, if you're not able to look after a certain part of your business, which is serving you well, but business has got too busy to take care of it, hire someone who will help you do it. And it might not always be in the obvious ways. You know, in the case of social media, it might be that you hire someone to do your admin and various other tasks which don't require your own creative flair so that you do have capacity to do social media. So it might be the task you think you need to delegate is actually the one that you need to keep and it's finding another one in the business that 100% can be done by somebody else. Okay, so those are the things to consider when hiring. Step number two is systems and processes. And like I said, I'm not going to get too into this because ultimately it boils down to a very simple principle, which is, you know, and I notice this a lot with some of my one-to-ones who I work with who are at that stage of kind of, you know, they've, they're hitting their 10K months, they're attracting clients and they're saying to me, right, I'm creating another bespoke package. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this is the value of having an offer suite. You don't want to be recreating things all the time because every time you recreate something, you make it unscalable. You make it really hard to have a process behind it. You make it really hard as a deliverable. So, you know, getting clear on your offer suite so that you can have clear systems and processes, clear onboarding processes, clear, you know, payment processes, clear, absolutely, I mean, everything, like you want everything to be so easy. And this is where having a team member before you think about systems and processes is ideal. Because what I did with my team is I'd say, right, okay, you're responsible for my calendar. Can you look at the most efficient way to manage it so that, you know, when I have a client who's looking to book in a call with me, like, you know, you've, you've sorted out that part for me. And they're like, great, done. And another one, I'm like, right, you're responsible for funnels and ads. Like, here's what I want to be looking at. And I do get involved to a certain extent because obviously funnels and ads are very much my, my shebang. But I also really encourage that autonomy on her part. You know, I, I'm not going to be there thinking for her because otherwise, why would I hire her? You know, like if, if I was just spoon feeding somebody, there'd be no point in having a team member. So I'm very much for encouraging the autonomy of my team. I'm very clear on their responsibilities. And when it comes to systems and processes, I'm not spending hours designing what they are. I'm being clear on what my client, my team's responsibilities are so that they can support me to build out those systems and processes so that I don't necessarily have to play a huge role in that. I can just show up to a team meeting. They can say, hey, we're thinking about moving over to, let's say, Asana rather than whatever we're using before. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay, let's do that. So, you know, don't obsess about these things, but, you know, because obviously, the systems and processes I use are enormously robust because I'm scaling an evergreen group program and inviting people into it month to month. And so there's a lot to track in terms of everyone who's in there, when they've started, when they've finished, when their birthdays are, what they've submitted, where they're, where they're at in the program. There's a lot of data that we're tracking all the time alongside all my leads or my discovery calls. And you know that means I use Airtable because it does all those things mainly automated. So it's massively efficient. And so that's what we use in my business. But earlier on, I used things like Trello because there just wasn't enough data swirling around for something like Trello to not be efficient enough. So, you know, don't get carried away by what you see the big boys using. Use what's relevant to where you're at in your business. You know, similarly, if you go into something you're like, this has got way more features than we actually need, then you're probably right. You know, either look at those features, see if they're helpful or not. And if not, bring it back. But yeah, allow those systems and processes to be there. And importantly, look at them. If at any point you find yourself feeling overwhelmed, if things are dropping through the cracks, that is an invitation to reassess your systems and processes. Like every conversation I ever have with my team, wherever something has like not gone the way I wanted it to, the question always is, okay, 
right, what's going on in our systems and processes that's allowed this to happen? And that's the conversation. It's that simple. It's never about finger pointing. It's never about blaming. It's always about, okay, what can we do better as a business? What can I do better as a CEO to ensure you guys are supported with the systems and processes to enable this to not fall through the cracks again? And it creates a really healthy, happy, you know, self-reliant, you know, I, I love it. I love the kind of culture that I have in my small but mighty business. We may be a small team, but we are respectful. We are kind. We, we pick up the pieces for each other. We support each other. And it's because we can have clean business-like conversations around systems and processes when something isn't working accurately. And, you know, questions like, how can I support you better to ensure that this process is followed? So there we have it. Number two systems and processes. And three, finally, the final piece when it comes to being a business owner is recognizing that, yeah, having a team and having, you know, processes and all these systems and processes and having software and all the stuff. Yeah, it's, it's an extra outgoing. So what do you need to do if you're doing that? You are going to need to scale. Like there's no kind of going backwards. You're either growing or you're shrinking. So it, I do encourage you to like look bigger think bigger. You know, it's not intimidating to invest in systems and software. It's not intimidating to invest in a team when you feel confident that you can also scale your revenue. And obviously that's why I come in with the majority of my offers, which are around how to, how to create uh, a really high impact, high ticket group program that enables you to confidently forecast sizable months, which enable you to feel confident about investing in everything else. And, you know, the final piece that's really going to support you to ensure that that is a consistent is advertising. And I really want to speak to this very, very briefly, because I'm conscious we're approaching the kind of max mark around how long I like to make these episodes. But um, I think, you know, I'm really seeing at the moment that organic marketing is not doing the heavy lifting it used to. And advertising really is as efficient, if not more efficient than it used to be. And as long as you've got an offer suite that enables you to confidently sell on sales calls, there is no reason not to be running ads. So I highly recommend if you are not already running ads to be considering it. I do actually have an offer, Ripple to Rise Accelerator, which is all about running your first load of ads <laughs> um, with, with a budget of only £10 a day. But list building and growing your list all the time is you will always have people to sell to. So I'm saying this in the context of there is absolutely no point investing in systems and software, investing in a team, if you're not also investing in your growth. Because those things alone, systems will not help you grow. They'll help you be more efficient when people come in. And yeah, they'll give you some time back. They'll give you the foundations to grow from, but they will not in and as of themselves allow you to grow. People won't go, oh, we've got to go work with that person over there. They've got great systems. It doesn't work like that as I'm, I'm sure you can imagine. Similarly, they don't care if you've got a VA or a team. It will make their experience better. It means they're more likely to recommend you to their friends and you know, you're more likely to get more clients. So it does help to a certain extent, but it's only ever going to do so much. Like both of those things will help to a certain extent. They'll both help you get, you know, a few more inquiries, clients having a better experience, you know, more predictable um, kind of outcomes for your clients, which again, you know, all that stuff is really good. But... Your growth will massively stagger if you rely on those things alone. You 100% want to be advertising as well. So there we have it. I think I'm going to do a separate episode. In fact, here we have it. I am going to do a separate ep episode on advertising because I've been having a lot of questions recently about should they, you know, should people be starting funnels 
around running ads to low ticket offers to offset their list building costs. And I've got some bad news for you. It's not quite as simple as that. So I'm going to break that all down in next week's episode. Cannot wait to share it. Um, if you didn't know this about me, I do have a micro ads agency. We spend, we've well, we've helped clients to generate millions of pounds at this stage over the last three years and spend multi six figures in ad spend probably yearly, annually, I'd say. Um, I need to look at the numbers. Now we're in October. Um, but essentially... I know what I'm talking about when it comes to advertising. If you are not aware of the side of me, because I know up until now, you've probably been thinking, but she, she's the evergreen lady. So yeah, next week will all be about that. Look forward to sharing it with you then. If you enjoyed today's episode, please help me get this in the ears as, as of many business owners as possible. I really, really love hearing back from people, sharing that these episodes have really helped them move the needle in their business. And I would love that to be the case for one business owner. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it. Feel free to tag me. I will then reshare your share um, and to share that love back. But that would be that would mean so much to me. So if you could do a little gesture of sharing this episode, I would be so happy. And if and if it's not this episode, please feel free to share your favorite episode. I'd be really curious to know which one it is. And that's it. I'll be in your ears next week. See you then.